0: Hello and welcome to another very special Empire interview podcast, this time in honour of Elysium, which is Neil Blomkamp's latest sci-fi action movie following up from District 9, where in the future a man named Max, Matt Damon, gets some severe radiation poisoning and in order to, well, avoid death... Has to go up to the flying space donuts known as elysium where the elitist super rich super powerful live as represented by jodie foster who was their defense secretary on her side uh, stopping max from getting up to the super space station where everyone can be healed is charlotte copley who plays a undercover operative down on earth and he is a piece of work both Charto copley and Neil Blomkamp joined us for the special interview podcast where we spoke about such things as Vicar Savander Mover and him trying to get into Charlize Theron's house as seen on Funny or Die, as well as the Halo movie, both of their gaming setups generally, South Africans in films, as well as what it feels like to be one of the most powerful Africans in the world, according to some poll somewhere. Anyway, they're both on great form, very funny and very geeky, and you won't want to miss out on this one. So sit back, enjoy. Both myself, Ali Plum, and my colleague Nick DeSemmelin were on interviewing duties this time around. And be sure to come back on Friday for your regular dose of Empire Podcast goodness. Enjoy. So, yeah, I, I, I was blown away just by how much South Africanness there yeah. was in this film, because you think it's set in L.A., it's set in space, yeah. but there's a there's yeah. a lot of Safra here. There is.
1: It was cool that we got to do... It wasn't... Because you hadn't really intended him originally to be South African necessarily, Kruger, and the character that I play...
2: He was just a mercenary. Yeah,
1: he was just like it was quite English almost the way that you in the very first draft that I read. Yeah, or Australian. Yeah,
2: but it was it was it's true. It was uh, it was only when Charles came on board that that the idea of you know not wanting to totally repeat things that had happened in District Nine, but but to all of a sudden it was opened up to this kind of like it could be a South African special forces guy and that country obviously has like a very mm. rich and colourful <laughs> background with unconventional asymmetric warfare
1: it was yeah troll embodied it was kind of it was kind of like I was joking that we sort of Undid all the good work that we did for white South Africans in <laughs> in, in District Nine because <laughs> it was like we finally made one where the South African is not yeah. totally bad, yeah. and so now we just went straight back in and just you know just undid all that work and now he has the bad white South African again. Yeah. There was,
2: there was a bunch of, like, really creative stuff, though, that happened also, like, in terms of... You know, there's a lot of books and stuff that I have of of, of that conflict in the, bo- the border war, as, as it was called. And Charles also knows a lot about it. And we both have, like, just an interest in, in everything from Kufu to 3-2 Battalion and all of the different units that were operating in that era. And so when he came on board, we started firing emails back and forth to one another of, like, guys that look a very particular way which is a lot like what he looks like in the movie. There's sort of very sketchy black and white photographic records of in mm-hmm. that era. So that was one thing was with his wardrobe that he tried a lot of stuff out, and he would like arrive in my office with different ideas or different you know hairstyles or with a whatever. huge bush beard. Yeah, exactly.
1: A lot of them have beards. Like that. I was quite proud of the beard actually because what I've noticed is if you actually look at. Men wearing beards in Hollywood films—they they groomed beards usually. Even when they're meant to look rough, they still groomed this. I just grew this thing, mm. and it was like whatever. Whatever happens, this is. But and you know what you learn with a beard is like there's a certain length with a male beard that once you go beyond it. Instinctively, if you as a male see that beard on another man, you don't want to fight that man. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true. It's like there's like a there's trans- a length of it. it yes, there's either like this man style. is either, this this man is yeah. either a crazy homeless man. Mm. Don't want to fight that guy. Some lumberjack bush kind of guy, don't want to fight him either. Some military dude who's like, you know, some vet from somewhere, don't want to fight him either. There's
2: actually a really famous photo of the beginning of the Iraq conflict with a U.S. Special Forces soldier that became like an internet phenomenon called Bones. Have you guys ever seen that guy mm. online? And uh, Have you seen him? No. It's pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, they're, they're right at the beginning, like right at the very beginning of 03, they went in and... Uh, it was actually Afghanistan before Iraq, I think. And this dude's beard is like this big, literally. And there's like thousands of photos of him with Chinooks landing and stuff. It was like straight out of a film.
3: And Kurt Kruger is a manly guy. And another aspect of that is his barbecuing uh, skills. Yes. This great scene, well, very, that's
2: very South African. Braai,
3: yeah. that's a braai. Just the sheer amount of meat that that guy has got on the griddle <laughs> just impressed me. Yeah.
1: It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. And that whole that's one of my favorite scenes that we got to have him in the sort of... PT shorts. That's very much from the images of these guys in Africa that used to go into the bush, and they would just go in there and like live. Some of those, some of those guys back in the day could go in and they would live in the bush for three months and just not leave. So they would. um, That's where this is actually. This
2: is not South African, but it's the Salu Scouts from Rhodesia. The Rhodesian Salu Scouts know how to. They can actually eat. Rotten meat. They can eat a damn. Yeah, horse, I know about that. Yeah, um, which is pretty insane. Pretty much what I yeah, have yeah. on the bra Yeah, in much. the in the font. Dude, do, do, do you know? Do you know how many times I referenced the beginning of that scene with the beer bottle? Do you remember that?
1: What throwing the bottle? Okay, like yeah, we, yeah. Our,
2: our stunt coordinator, Mike Mitchell, is he, he very into safety, obviously, and he's he'd never done anything with Charles yet. I don't think I don't remember how far into the shoot that was, but basically at the top of the rooftop when Charles braying all that meat, he um he goes up to charles and he's like listen outside the exterior of this of this building that we're on in mexico there there are nothing outside of here is cordoned off so this building is ours we're allowed to do what we want on the rooftop just you know don't do anything to the to the areas beyond the top of the rooftop which is about two or three stories up and charles like nodding and stuff and i'm like okay and i know the scene's like relatively loose and like he's going to be improving stuff and it's literally like and roll camera and Shaw walks to the edge of the building and hucks a beer bottle down <laughs> and smashes it off a wall.
1: Dude, I and threw then it's it like very clearly onto another like, wall. No one was in the way. It's like, cut,
2: cut, <laughs> cut. And we're like, all the cameras have to be shut down. And then it's like... And I'm like laughing because I know I got a good shot. But Mitch is like... Um, like, what, we, we just spoke about this. Like, we just <laughs> talked about it, and he's like, "Yeah, but I looked, and like, it's exactly what he just said now. Like, he's like yeah, there was no, nothing in the way he, at all. He, I know that it was a clear shot, and no one was in danger.' So I won I beer can ball throw right too.
3: I can, I'm pretty accurate with my throwing. Mm-hmm. So the bit is just kind of the latest in a series of indignities that Neil's kind of uh, hoisted upon you. What's the worst thing? Neil has made you do
1: oh god the <laughs> bath scene where I was where I was naked in the bath with the little day sack day one yeah that was bad but yeah I think still eating the food that like weird horrible bully beef thing with pieces of fat in where I wanted <laughs> yeah. to throw up That that's still on District 9 this was actually a piece of cake this movie this was like Everyone's like, "What was it like shooting in garbage dumps in Mexico?" I was it, like, District, "Dude, District Nine's a hundred times." Yeah, I was I like, "Ask me what it was like shooting for like three months in Vancouver, you know, in like the lap of luxury."
0: So having poo thrown into your face by mm. helicopters taking off—that's okay. I don't know.
1: It's you know, Dude, it wasn't bad, it, man. It wasn't that
2: bad. I it was I just mean, for
0: the Canadians and like
1: Matt and stuff. There was a moment was for bad. me where it
2: was pretty bad, but but generally speaking, it wasn't that bad. Like we we. I had a lot of headaches getting getting us to the point where we could shoot in that location. Mm. And I really wanted to shoot there. And, like, so, you know, way prior, early early pre-production, um, I kept forcing that location, and people kept trying to shut it down because the the unions had issues with, like, the toxicology reports that were coming back and stuff. And then, finally, when I got my way... And we we went we drove out there and, you know, like you always start shooting early and you, you, you're leaving before the sun comes up. And the first day of two weeks in that dump, when we drove in and the sun wasn't up yet, I it, the car just got engulfed with the smell. And it was like, it was so suffocating that I quietly just to myself in the seat, because there was other crew members in the car, I was like i'm not sure i can do this
1: <laughs> and, I no it's totally there were some bad mornings yeah, yeah, yeah there were some, some smells that were pretty rough yeah,
2: but then it burns yeah. off after a while yeah that's true that's true it does no the humidity and everything yeah. it will burn off but i was i'm not exaggerating i was like i literally had like a mini anxiety attack where i was like i'm not sure that i can do this and we had respirators and stuff They were in the car you like had little,
0: respirators yeah, yeah like
2: little mouth things that you actually did need because they were it was bad enough in the beginning but then it dissipates in the morning yeah, yeah. Then it C- goes
1: can away. I just say when an actor's on camera they're not allowed to have a respirator so there's nothing more pleasant than being on set mm-hmm. and you look around and everybody has these things over their face and mm-hmm. you don't yeah it's true it's just and there's also helicopter it was the same as like, like with District 9 with the safety goggles where people were shooting things at me and everybody's got safety goggles and the whole speech about does everyone have their goggles on <laughs> and then it was in the lab in the scene in the bio lab and then they're firing these balls. What are they? Zerk balls or whatever to make sparks Zerk, yeah, go next and, to me. And dust. They're basically paintballs. And and firing paintballs around me as I run. And so we're going to hit stuff and blow stuff up and every single crew member had to have goggles on. It was kind of the same this time with the But mark. also
2: the Zerk balls also have like, I think the, the containment that they're in isn't as rubbery as a paintball. So there's actually, they're a little bit more brittle. Yeah, it hurts. So the so containment itself, no, but also like the fracture, the debris coming off like it's like little yes yes yes, yes to make sparks
1: yeah. yeah 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 no but so i mean like... the
2: container it's like a little plastic glass bubble that's exploding but you know the guy the guy who was least i think least into the garbage dump was william fickner who also I absolutely loved working with, but he embodied that rich CEO in a way that like was actually real. Like, did you ever see him? on Dude, it was there? unbelievable. He would come out he a and he had the hanky over yeah. his mouth like the whole time. No, it like, wasn't just for the. It yes, wasn't just for, this, the, for the
1: for the for the character because I thought is he all, is he like yeah. sort of methoding like I ask people, because he looks like is he methoding is he staying like he's doing it and then they're like no I, I think he just doesn't like it like I <laughs> just.
2: And he yeah. was in the chair in the Bugatti, so it would literally you'd be like, and cut, and the second it would cut, he'd be like, Okay, uh, can I speak <laughs> Let me speak to more And then I I I'd come up? to my agent. It's yeah, true, it was yeah. unbelievable. It was and I was like, dude, yeah. are you okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> it was funny. So, so following on for that, naturally we've got to talk about the armaments we see in this in this film, which are extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Some just kind of appear out of nowhere and you just go, Wow, what did I just watch? Yeah. Tell me. About the naissance of of certain guns here
2: yeah i mean i'm I think with technology in general, like mechanical technology more than no I suppose electrical also but but engineering and technology in general uh, is something that i'm just obsessed with, and guns um if you put the political ramifications of you know the fact that they 're designed to kill people aside for a second, the mechanics of guns is a very interesting and fascinating piece of technology right like discharging uh, whether it's chemical or electromagnetic or whatever it is and firing a projectile out at that rate is just interesting mm-hmm. so there's a lot of design stuff that i really kind of go crazy with in film and guns are an easy place to kind of get some of those highs out you know and uh so with elysium it was like w- it was broken down into stuff that occurs on earth which is would you know would be analogous to like sort of Guns in South Africa coming in from Mozambique that are very like run down AK forty sevens, versus like ultra, ultra high end, incredibly well maintained rail guns. Yeah, guns in an armory that the special task force uses. You know, like it's two different worlds, and and Elysium is two different worlds, so it worked. And then yeah, so then then it's like okay, well, what what do mercenaries use in that year? And let's science fictionize them a little bit more, maybe than even is realistic. Just mm-hmm. for fun, and railguns is like an obvious cool place to go. Um, the coolest one, actually, I didn't use. I, I designed it. And we didn't. We used an element of it. There was there's an uh, sort of a yellow one that's inside the raven. That one of the other one of the two mercenaries that works for Shawl swings out and fires at the guy running on the ground with. And that gun, the whole idea with that thing is like you can mount it on a on a chopper, but you can also take it off and then run um, electrical cables to it that are powered by a backpack that you wear. So his other mercenary, a Ghostbuster. Yeah, it's a lot like a, exactly exactly. So it's a bulletproof vest that under the shielding is a bunch of like lipo batteries like on his front and his back and then that has these rad cables that come out that plug into like a gun that you hold kind of like a weed eater like it's held (laughs) low that's my that is my single favorite i think piece of tech that we built and Weda builds that stuff like immaculately so
3: wow do you put a little thought into how that stuff works or is it do you not need to worry about that
2: no i think well for me i have i i I like to worry about that because it (laughs) makes it feel real yeah like the more you think about that the more the audience is like okay i kind of I can believe this stuff because it be- it looks like the filmmakers believe that it works. Yeah, and nothing. I mean, you know, it's all personal preference. Like something like Terry Gilliam stuff, I love, and it, it, that's totally fine, right? But there's this very funny, weird, like. Blurred space that happens between if you take a Terry Gilliam film and you take something like that I'm into, which is this kind of weird hyper realism science fiction or fantasy, there's like this gray area between those where it's not okay, (laughs) at least for me. So it's like Gilliam, you give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Um, And a whole bunch of other filmmakers that fit into that cool, like, you know, very stylistic kind of area. And then there's this gray area where it's like, I just feel now like the director didn't know what was going on and some other person on the crew designed that thing and then he looked at it and he was like nodding yes while he was doing something else. Like you know what I mean? Mm. And that that bothers me. So it's like that zone which happens to be closer to science fiction a lot of the time. Like I don't want that to ever be the case. I want to know how every single like bolt on that thing. You, works.
1: you really do, hey? like he he has <clears throat> when you see the um the designs coming in, you know, in different versions, like the Raven, which my guy which is my guy's flying vehicle, you know. Even on the earliest designs with that, you'll get Really close-up images of the different sides and how this vent works and what works, which you're never going to actually get into in the film. But it's 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 amazing <sighs> levels of detail, you know, yeah. to kind of say this is how it flies, this is how literally like, and this is what the little label says underneath here by this hatch. <laughs> this is the warning on this hatch label. This is the warning on this one. This is so that it, so that if you actually walked up to it as a craft, um, yeah. it's it's quite amazing. They they always go into that level of detail. I loved on the rocket launcher that had the instructions on the side. Yeah.
2: The five points. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you look at a Stinger missile launcher like in the US Army, you know, it'll be... It's the same.
0: You see, here you go. You're just provoking him. He he knows. (laughs) I'm telling you. It's (laughs) crazy. So (laughs) wouldn't we expect Elysium, the computer game? Because surely, surely we've got to see this, you know, Ghostbuster weed killer thing.
2: I don't know, man. You know, it's the same with District 9. Like, they're both, like, laden
1: with weaponry. But the thing is, like,
2: games from movies just have a terrible track
1: record dude I no. don't know a first person shooter district 9 mm-hmm. game through an environment like that yeah, through yeah, a slum yeah. with aliens no, I, I, I agree come on man no, tell me a that pig. isn't one of the that can throw animals or objects <laughs> up with weapons that liquidize weapons yeah. that can I don't know where that game is I
2: need to bring up though that the picking objects up and hucking it is Half Life 2 I just threw a pig in a slum
1: <laughs> yeah. it's like it's just
3: you know yeah you mentioned, you mentioned the Raven. Sorry. Is it true you've got that hanging up in your house?
2: You know, it's actually, I'm glad that you bring that up. It was taken away from me by Sony. <laughs> Kidding. Because no. no, here's the thing, dude. I just emailed Mark Weinstock, actually, who's the head of marketing with Sony. So maybe also just if this get, can get back to him. So <laughs> I've, He does listen. He, where Mark, where is my Raven, bro? Because I don't see it being used for marketing right now. And that's the excuse, that they needed it for marketing, but I don't see where. So... It was at Comic Con. Remember, it was hanging at Comic Con. Yeah. It was there, yeah.
1: dude. How does that fit into your house? Was you, it that it's one, in the lobby. That, that bigger yeah, yeah, yeah. one, right? Yeah, you just hang it by, this, okay. by this,
3: you know, the stairs. you what is the coolest thing you have hanging in your house? Probably. The house Kr- is so new.
1: I, I actually, yeah, I just moved in. But I've got I've got Kruger's sword right. and his and his Hulk suit, which is kind of which I'm kind of excited. about. You need about. a
2: mannequin for that, or something. I know. Something I'm getting. I was going to
1: ask you. I need to. I need to
0: get the right body size to put that up. Yeah, okay. and it's it's hanging right now. I'm curious, and this is just oh, I guess just for Shalto, but you know, there's that amazing skit which we saw via Funny or Die with you and Charlize Theron. How did Charlize <laughs> get involved with that? And isn't that kind of nuts? I want to, I want to know. <laughs> um, yeah, Something. I I made Charlize
1: uh, at. Where was it? Like right after District 9, I think it was like the Vanity Fair party or something. And I was always a huge fan of hers. I thought, not just because she's South African, I just thought she was was an amazing actress. And so we met, you know, and she really liked the film. And I got asked to present an award at the South African Music Awards for Best Afrikaans Pop Album. And I couldn't go (laughs) to South Africa. I just, I'd been traveling so crazy. I was like, guys, I can't fly out, but I'll make you a video. So I started trying to think what I could do if I made a video. Then I thought, what if Vickers does it? They said, "Yo, yeah, we love that. And I thought, what if I just because it's such a big joke in South Africa? South Africans are always trying to claim Choliz, and it's a big thing to South Africans that Choliz doesn't speak in an Amer- in a South African mm. accent anymore. I totally understand it because an American accent is hard for most South Africans but to she, do. She may have She's been young off enough. Though, I know it may actually be genuine. I'm saying so; it makes total sense to me. If I was in her position, I would actually probably also speak with an American accent. But there's this desperate need to claim <laughs> Choliz, so I sort of thought I sort of capitalized on that for the South Africans of Vickers now trying to claim her And I just, but you know. She was a huge fan of the film, and she was up for doing whatever, you know. And I kind of decided at the end that it was better that you don't see her, you know, (laughs) that he that he doesn't succeed and actually Mm. and actually get in there. But maybe I need to do a sequel where he gets in the house this time.
3: (laughs) Neil, you were uh, named or numbered twenty first on Forbes magazine's most powerful Africans.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that? (laughs) Someone told me about that actually at squash.
1: Um... Are you ahead of the president? Are you ahead of Zuma? Can I get? Is it possible to get ahead of the president? I don't know. I, I doubt it. Um, I don't yeah. know most powerful Af- I want to see that list now number one is a novelist a um, novelist not a president she knew it which but I you, find you know, interesting the thing that's interesting though is
2: I don't know you, with the African thing I mean I actually don't know how South African I am I'm losing oh really no dude I'm serious though yeah. Like, because it is I'm a hybrid yeah. it's true. Yeah, that's true I am a hybrid so I don't feel like it's entirely fair that I'm on that list I don't know what you think do you think that's fair
1: well, where's your next film, Joe <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Okay, no, I was just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's it's. Uh, no, I know what you're saying. You are you know a I mean? hybrid. It's no, not you exactly, are. You are. But you you're, exactly you the same. you have such you have that South African thing in you from mm-hmm. such a young age. I think. But, well, I guess when you go to Africa, you can get
3: the best table in a restaurant or the 21st best. <laughs> I've never tried. Yeah, I suppose I could like. I don't know, man. That's again. That's
1: politicians. They're going to be ahead. I don't think the Forbes list counts into like what
0: you'll get in terms of tables or service. (laughs) (laughs) This is an old question. I brought up computer games earlier, but you know, Steven Spielberg has announced his TV version of Halo. Mm -hmm. Were you consulted, or am I about to piss you off? Um, no,
2: no, you won't, you won't piss me off. What you mean? Because it's in existence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's the first I've heard of it, and I start throwing bottles <laughs> around in the room. <laughs> um, no, I n- I knew about it. Yeah. No, the answer is no. I'm, I'm I haven't been approached to do anything with it. I still think that mythology in that world is really cool. I just don't know if I'm the right guy to do it. There's because the problem the problem for me with things like that, like I just want to be essentially I just want to be an artist, and I just want to be left alone to my own devices. You know, and there's the, the, the sort of the older I get, the more inheriting somebody else's ideas, it becomes less appealing to me. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's from two places. One place is the fans expect something, and the fans actually deserve something. If, if the fans have been playing Halo for 10 years, they deserve that version of Halo. Like, whatever that is that they have in their mind, mm-hmm. they deserve that. And I'm not sure that I can provide that. I can provide my version of Halo, which would be a more gritty, kind of, you know, messed up version. Like, there were there were parts of Halo that were difficult for me to wrap my head around when I was trying to develop the film. Like, um, you know, some of the uh, the smaller races and stuff in the film, yeah, but they're very childlike, you know. And it's difficult to make that feel <laughs> legit in the way that I want it. So, so, yeah, I'm not... In the interest of the fans... Um, there may be a better way of doing it than, than me being involved with it and then the second part of it is when you inherit other people's ideas the people that control those ideas now I'm not talking about the fans I'm talking about the people that want like a return on investment will mess with you also you know so my, my ultimate place is just to be in a, doing exactly what I want and getting the right sum of money to do exactly what I want um, and pull it off properly not on. that much to ask, really. No. Is it? Not really.
1: Yeah. I mean, he is twenty what on the Forbes? <laughs> yeah, Af- I am on list. that African list. I mean, just give him God the money sake. and leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, how difficult is that? <laughs> they do that for Jesus, the president, man. you know.
3: <laughs> Are you still gaming? Do you still have time to do that?
2: Uh, I do, I do, yeah. I just... um, The the thing is, like, I have a bunch of gaming computers in my office and at home, and with my home one, because I was getting completely obsessive with Battlefield, the thing with Windows that drives me insane is, like, when you want to just reboot it, but then it starts installing updates without asking you. (laughs) And so it was doing that, and I literally just spazzed out and ripped all the power cables out of it because (laughs) I just didn't want to wait, and I, like, bricked that computer. It's just gone now. And, uh like I'm, i have to reinstall everything and like you know when you lose all of your so yeah that's heartbreaking yeah it, it was pretty disturbing so um and then i have and then i have a few other computers with different uh different setups on them that i can get back into because in my office a bunch of them were wired together um and we were you know i was very into crisis 2 multiplayer weirdly like just because graphically i think it was so cool um but, but the latest Battlefield, I think, was my main mm. obsession.
3: I spoke to Peter Jackson once, and he said he and Guillermo del Toro play multiplayer. Yeah. I can't remember which game it was.
2: I think it was yeah. one of the Call of Duty
3: ones. Yeah. Did, did you get on and uh, play,
2: take those guys on? No, 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 no. No, definitely not. Definitely not. But, I mean, you know, at Pete's at Pete's place uh, in Wellington, like, when we were working on District 9, like, they back then, I mean, because that feels like a long time ago now, Pete, Pete had, like, a sort of disgustingly massive television that was linked <laughs> up to, like... Uh, Whatever I mean, he really did. It's not like bullshit. Like when people are like, you know how like a lot of directors are, like, yeah, yeah, I game or whatever, and they try to. That's just and it's just not true. Like Pete, trust me. Peter Jackson had like a legit setup in there, and he also like the when when we were editing District Nine, I think you at the because we were editing, at like at, I think it was in two thousand and eight, and at that point he had like a hundred and four inch uh, plasma okay, in that's his in his as uh, a cinema screen. Yeah, actually. in his in his editing office, which back then you have to understand how revolutionary that was back then. Like, when I saw it, it was like some... It was almost like seeing, you know... It was, like, biblical, almost. <laughs>
3: <laughs> shelter gaming, robots, all this yeah. techie stuff. Are you into that stuff at all?
1: I, I mean, I was never into it, I think, as much as... Certainly not as much as Neil. Um,
2: it almost feels my, like you're getting into it more somehow. It's weird,
1: because I am now. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm, I'm definitely getting more and more and more into it, and... um I got Neil has he was talking earlier about his setup with like the different computers at the office that he has in in Vancouver where you can all play like you know sitting playing Call of Duty and I got obsessed with Call of Duty for a <laughs> while I really did but I find also like my time I worked very hard from a young age like I started working when I was nineteen and I just I used to find that like video games once I started playing something even back in the day when I was when I was young it would just I would just I get very extreme about something so if I started playing a game. I would play for like three days straight I remember playing well it was just one of the alien ones like with the earlier first person shooters with, with was it aliens or alien you know the one where the little creatures are jumping on you from the movie <laughs> yeah, from the but, movie yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah on a, on a Playstation <laughs> I think it was sure and I remember, I must have played that game for about, that was like one of my first big gaming experiences. And I swear to God, I played for about four or five days straight. And I thought, <laughs> this is going to take my life and destroy it. I was very ambitious at the time. I was like, I can't do games. You'd Make be like fun. one of those South Korean dudes. Yeah, I can't, Yo, that I, can't, I can't. Once I get on there, I can't, I just can't stop. Yeah, I'm very into like collecting the figurines. I always was. I'm spending so much money on them now. He's man. just emailing disturbing. me. He,
2: he, he emails because yeah. I have a, a lot of those. and yeah, he, just... he has
1: them all over his, his house and his offices and everything.
2: Yeah, and Charles, lately, it's been like an, a barrage of emails about like where do you, you know, who do you buy them from and like what which ones do you have? And like he's lining up like all these robocops and shit at, mm-hmm. at his place.
1: Because he still hasn't sent me. He thinks he has, but he owes me an exosuit, a wetter exo suits from from district dude 9, it does dude. seem it does he seem thought wrong he'd sent me one. he sent them to like all sorts of people like all sorts of different people i'm like dude how is it that you haven't seen? <laughs> now in fairness i didn't really have a house in the last four years i've been moving around now i actually have a place and i keep sending him pictures no, you should and i'll have put it. like i'll put like there's the robocop on one side and terminator on the other and then i'll send him a picture with like a gap and i'm like dude this is where i'm gonna put the exo suit when you send it to you me did do i've that. sent him like yeah. five different mails i'm waiting for my exo i will suit figure record. that out
2: it does seem wrong that you don't have it No, you
3: came into the office a couple of years ago for the a-team and Mm. we gave you a tin of goonies Mm. action figures are they up in
1: your house somewhere dude okay here's my phone i swear to god i was like and you didn't you for some reason you didn't have mikey but you had the rest oh really so i ordered mikey no way swear to god and just coincidentally i didn't actually do this specifically for you guys i was sending it to a friend of mine but that's there they are In my office. Oh, that's cool. There they are. See actual evidence. That's there, man. (laughs) That's fantastic. Look at that. Okay, all right. Look at that. And then there's, you know, there's the Heath Ledger Joker Hot Toys version, which is just crazy, man. The Hot Toys ones are awesome. Dude, that yeah, is crazy. I mean, have you guys seen that? Yeah, oh, wow. You know the brilliant. Hot Toys, The, the Joker and... They make good stuff. Jack Sparrow, which I just got. That's They're like $350. Photograph. No, it's disturbingly accurate. Isn't that incredible? Now, we know The Goonies is one of your favorite films. Yes. You also mentioned Beverly Hills Cop 2 in your list. I know, I love which why? is weird. Why that? I just... I, you know, when I was younger, I loved, like, con stuff. Like, I loved... Another film that I saw on TV the other day, which I loved, was Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Had you ever seen that? I watched on? it just the other week. It's, I'm sorry. That is unbelievable. It's like, I really, as a kid, I loved anything that was, you know, like guys just kind of pretending to be different stuff.
2: One thing that I'll never forget about District 9 uh, Press was when we were at uh, at um, the draft house in Austin, and the the... Remember the the the, the Q and A where you said where the, the you have like a cinema full of cinephiles asking him what his favorite film was, mm. and he said Beverly Hills Cop two. Oh, I which didn't say I it was my favorite think film. Is the funniest dude, thing no, that no, ever no, happened? No, 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 no. I did and not say was, it was my no, but favorite. Dude, you
1: did. I said no. I said it's in my top like ten, and it's comedy specifically. That would be in my top five in comedy. It's not like a science fiction movie. But I get what you're saying. It was it was perhaps not politically appropriate at like a geek fest, you know, to go like But it's not that it's I wrong. should have it's said not that like it's wrong.
2: It's just how it's just how different it is from what they were expecting. That's oh, no. my point. It's and a very also, like, geeky choice. I loved Eddie Murphy. No, but that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. If you look at it from your standpoint, you it's a character, yes. it's a guy that I can always play loved hundreds a character. Exactly. Like, it makes total sense. Yeah. But from their standpoint, it's like they don't know whether you're yeah. joking or whether you're being serious. <laughs> like they don't know what to do with the info. Yeah. yeah,
3: Well, it's coming back, isn't it? It's a TV uh, pilot, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah,
1: you know, I mean, I don't know about that. I think yeah. it's... I liked it back in the day. Mm. I think maybe it you know, yeah. was best then. And I have to ask you guys, Lethal Weapon 2, mm-hmm. uh, South Africans, mm-hmm. what's your take on that? It also has Kruger Rands, which is interesting. Well, you know, again, that was back to the old South Africans being the villain. They were good villains, I think though. I think they were okay. I, like I mean, I think what I dug about Kruger was being able to do an accent... I don't think their accents are very good in that thing. They, I, I seem to remember their accents mm-hmm. not being very. Well, they weren't South African guys playing. South, I think South one African of them really. was. I think the older think guy so? was.
2: I'm not sure. But the but the way that they looked was really good. Like the, the crest on yes, the on yes. the on the blazer and the way his hair was so immaculate.
1: This this uh, Kruger speaks with a Johannesburg South accent, which you will have never heard in a film before. It's a very specific South African accent that's like an English South African. Not mostly what they're doing is. Like what Vickers does, or what you see, like in that lethal weapon, was like Afrikaners speaking, with, you know, speaking English as a second language. Kruger is speaking with. I combined the kind of three-two battalion military look with. There's an area literally which the, some in of the those guys can be German. English. As yes, well, and some so. of them are English. So, so the accent that that it's like I use in this film is is English. is more is is what a like a, a a white South African from the south would kind of sound like, which was also a really. Cool to be able to do something again that you'd never seen or never heard. That was what made it basically, so tempting to make. Him basically, South
2: the the difference with those accents that that people get confused about is is really this. In summary, if it's an Afrikaans South African accent, it means English is their second language. That's really what it is. And English being the primary language has a different South African sound. But a lot of the really tough kind of you know background to South Africa is Afrikaans, and when they speak English, it's an extremely thick accent. Mm. Where Shaw's one, which because he tried three different ones for Kruger, he showed oh, me three different versions. Then, yeah, yeah, was it four?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one was more the funny. hilarious it one. Wasn't, yeah, yeah, there it wasn't was one, really serious. He, he
2: yeah. had one version for Kruger that would literally have kept people up in the middle of the night worrying oh, about that guy. No, dude, it's that.
1: insane. Can, Can you give us a blast? Do do it, dude. Dude, I don't know if it translates over radio. <laughs> <and podcast. laughs> Just do a little bit, man. It's like my it's favorite accent. accent. It's ever. the different type of accent. It was it was modeled on. It was modeled on like going the complete opposite way, not making him sort of of, you know, deep voiced and aggressive sounding or whatever. It was more like to set it up though. The way you know, that he set it, it up hard, was you
2: know. he had a girl pretending to be the character of Elysee and some I mean, you know, he never sticks exactly to the script but he had the outline of, I had given him a very loose thing, which was that it was a girl and he wanted to extract information from her. So he had someone to bounce off. So she's saying that she's she's like panicking basically, right? And she's like fearing for her life. And then,
1: now you can do it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Now I can do it. So he sets it up. No, it's just the opposite. So it's like a it's a it's a type of accent. Basically, it's kind of like talking like this, so and basically it's like a high pitched sound that's very, very sort of nerve wracking Very nerve wracking, very, very upsetting, you know? You just gotta fucking stay calm. Hey, just calm down. Just look at me. Don't be nervous. My boys are just gonna go around and they're gonna look around the house, make sure no one's hiding. But then in your my, right.
2: my favorite part is then she starts like she starts saying that he left. He, she's like he left, he left, he left, and then he's going, "Shh, I know, I know." Do that, I know. That's my favorite. It's
1: unbelievable. He's literally directing me now. Shh, I know, I know. There it is. Oh, that's it's incredible. almost
2: unfortunate that we didn't use that guy. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's incredible. I don't know, man. I think he was. It, may it would been have been... been a co- yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think we probably made the right choice. And on Elysium, well, they, they, some of them are speaking French?
2: Yes, yes, but the, uh, bro- sort of. I okay. mean, the region we show of Earth, they're speaking Spanish. because it's, it's Los Angeles. Yeah, and it's like, you know, the, the all the borders in that future version of Earth would have been dissolved. It's kind of... It's almost like you'd have the North American Union and the Asian Union and the African Union, you know, so the borders are gone anyway, like NAFTA kind of dissolving... Um, the borders and then and then eventually all of those unions would merge into one, so the idea was the whole planet just falls under one governmental body and 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 that 's why like Wagner and Elsi and these South American actors that had sort of you know it was just this like melting pot really from Canada all the way down through into South America. It was just like one continuous stream of merging stuff and that so that 's the part that we showed, but okay. if we did it in you know. Eastern Europe, you'd you'd have something else.
3: Okay, and the the French speaking on like just
2: again. A- that's just you know like um, Ferran Tahir is 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 in the film and has his dialect that he's speaking and you, you know what I mean. It's like the the idea was this: which languages sound like money, and which languages kind of control <laughs> geopolitical stuff currently, and that can be applied forward as a metaphor, and which which, which accents um, sort of create an image of poverty. You know, and I'm not saying that Spanish in general does that, but but definitely French on a space station with money makes sense, the same way that Japanese does. Yeah. You know, so I I just maybe didn't show as much of that as I could have, but um, you know, you have limited
0: time. Maybe Jodie Foster's Japanese isn't as good as her French.
2: Yeah, I mean, her her French is better, I think. It's uh, it's astonishing. Yeah, I was, I was like, oh wow. she's okay. completely fluent. Yeah, she yeah. is.
3: And a bunch of the the characters have scars on their they have sort of words mm. written in scars. Yeah. What, that not about?
2: scars. It's not scarification. It's more like. For all of the good that comes with all of the money and power that they have, and, and longevity, also along with it comes like mass amounts of materialism, and um, yeah, all I was really doing was like amplifying like what is the West as a simple, you know, in in a, in a metaphor. If you were to turn the volume up on it, what what would you what would that result in? And since the med bays heal people and uh, and also provide longevity. I love that weird, strange science fiction crossover of like Versace making a med pod, Mm. you know? Um, Or like Gucci providing a liver. Mm. So it's like trendy to get like new lungs from, you know, Hugo Boss. And so that that was the idea with some of the, the branding on the face stuff. It's like, well... You know, biologically, I'm I'm actually wearing Prada today. So <laughs> yeah, that, that was the idea. But
3: you can tell that's the incredible amount of detail that goes into yeah everything.
2: Yeah, but that's the stuff. I mean, that's the stuff I like. That's why I don't think I could do like straight drama ever. I don't have to do sci-fi, but it could be horror. It could be fantasy. As long as there's an element of crazy amounts of design that you can get into and creating a world for people to go to. I think for me personally, the main thing with cinema is to take the audience to a place. That's my primary. Want like my primary driving force, you know, um, and so without all that design, you just you're not taking them anywhere. And you need someone exploding. Yeah, someone. dude. Yeah, you got to have a meat cloud in there. For Take sure. in there and then explode. And then explode someone. Yeah.
0: And on that note, uh, yeah. we're gonna have to wrap things up. Thank you so okay. much for coming to yeah. the Empire Podcast. Um, Thank you guys.
3: Meat cloud. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a new phrase for me. Various <laughs> names for the. <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Yeah, pink place. mist.
0: Cheers. Cheers.